Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So welcome to the Real USA podcast. This is Alan, and even though we're on an international break, we still have some fun content for you. I've got uh, Charlie Tooley here from Michigan. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And he's been is, waiting for this for quite some time, so this yeah, is very exciting. And he is, uh, as you guys who have been following the site know, the sort of stats guru, um, modeler, whatever, and who um, is behind the the prediction um, that stuff that we that we have this season? And um, Zach is joining us from North Carolina. Welcome, Zach. Hey, it's good to be back on. Good, yeah, it is. And I especially wanted you here because I figure you and Charlie can talk a lot more intelligently than I can about what it is that Charlie is <laughs> Charlie is doing. Um, but uh, it's we were giving Charlie a tough time the first week or so for not for his um, lack of goal scoring predictions, but I guess we've kind of caught up with that now. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll have to get into that a little bit more as we move into the prediction model. But yeah, there, there's some stuff about the low scoring goals that has to be has to be said at some point. Some things that need to be clarified. Right, and. And the um, so I think probably you should begin with just a general explanation of sort of what goes into it and how it will how it sort of will learn from itself over the course of the season. Does that sound? Yeah. Okay. Of course. Okay. So first off, the biggest disclaimer: this is not my model. This was created by Mitchell Green, who is also a U of M student, University of Michigan, who I met here back in my freshman year. He's absolutely brilliant is much more on the analyst and numbers side than I am. So all the credit for this has to go to him. Okay. But uh, so I've just, he does a model for the Bundesliga, the MLS and the Premier League. And he just asked me at the beginning of this year, if I would do something like it, the exact same model for La Liga. I said, of course, because it's just super fun and really it's a great way to get people engaged as you guys have seen. So yeah, um, the way mo- the model pretty much works is it takes a team's, Uh, expected goals, so the probability of scoring a chance uh, based on the shot, uh, where it is on the field, the location of defenders, the goalkeeper, what part of the body you hit it with. So is it with your head? Is it with your chest? Is it with your foot? Uh, Is it with your dominant foot or your uh, weaker foot? So yeah, it creates a probability from zero to one based on the likelihood of the shot going in. So most shots that are taken in the game have a very, very low XG value because uh, most shots don't go in. So most shots have an XG value of around 0.1 to 0.2, since Mm -hmm. the likelihood is you make around one out of every five shots from inside of the penalty area. So it totals up uh, on a per-match basis the XG values uh, of a team for and against. Mm -hmm. And it will factor in, we use a rolling average of five matches, so it'll aggregate the past five matches, your XG for and against, and then it will generate an average value. So it will continue to change and become more accurate and factor in a team's current form as the season continues to go on. So then it will factor in 
uh, Team A, we'll just say like Virial, their XG4 and their uh, XG their opponents have generated across the past five matches. And so it'll have an average for those values. And uh, like last week, they played Atletico Madrid. We would have Atletico Madrid, their XG average for the past five matches, and their XG against for the past five matches as well. And then we'll factor those in, and it will generate a matrix of uh, values based on the probability of each scoreline coming out. So I'm just going to pull it up right now and just uh, read off the values. Like I believe the most likely result for last week we predicted was zero zero. So at least we got a draw, right? I will say that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that our model predicted a 15.53% chance of a zero zero result, a, uh, 15.5% chance of Atletico Madrid winning one nil. So those were very, very close. Mm-hmm. And we had a 13.42% chance of Villarreal winning one nil and a 13.4% chance of uh, a 1-1 draw and the 2-2 draw which it ended up actually being was an only 2.89% chance which the reason we're factoring or we're getting such low score lines here is because uh, football is a game based totally on chaos but as we've seen one La Liga team scored an average of uh, 1.07 goals per match last season which is one of the lowest rates in the top five leagues so these teams just don't score much because it's I would say it's a defensively heavy heavy league Mm-hmm. which is more fun to watch in my opinion. And two, the more go- it's in most games you don't see teams scoring just a ton of goals. I mean, the average is quite low and you would never expect uh, a game to go to 3-3 or 3-2 or scoring a lot a lot of goals. So that's why the model is continuously predicting these low scoring games because that's just more uh, it's the higher probability chance of happening because that's where the initial average is. I think we b- began with most teams having an XG of 1.07 to start since that's what uh, the XG gave out from last season. Okay. So that's that a very sense. general overview of the model. I, I, you know, I, I should also probably point out um, in favor of your model because you said your model had the result that actually happened as like less than 3% chance. Um, Villarreal only took two shots all game and they all went in. Um, So it's one of those things that to me, it's like the, I I felt like even though it got the score prediction wrong, the model accurately captured how improbable that. Yeah. And and, and something I've seen, you know, through your matches a few times now is a lot of times, even if it doesn't get the final score right or the final result right, it, it gives it. It very often gives an average prediction of how this game's going to go. Like if one team dominates and just loses unluckily or draws unluckily, in the from what I've seen looking at your model so far, it usually captures that pretty well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, the, we went seven out of ten correct results last week, which was incredible. I never thought we'd hit numbers like that. So that's just awesome. I always thought from the very beginning that the predicting the score lines would just be near impossible. So I mainly wanted to focus on predicting the result correctly. And so far, we, we've been getting more accurate each week, which is really, really cool. So I would call that a success. Mm-hmm. And especially when you put it up against the betting model, which Mitchell advised me to start putting in now to see what Vegas thinks on these matches. And I believe they predicted uh, 6 or 7 out of 10 as well. Uh, this past week. So, I mean, we're at least hitting the same results that they are. So this is, I wouldn't call it a professional grade model, but I mean, it's doing just as well as what the bookies and the uh, non-data experts actually think. So that's, it's really cool. 
So one of the one of the mm-hmm. questions I have is whether or not y'all ever intend on. I know this would require accumulating a lot more data, but accounting for players who are missing. So like you look at Villarreal and like what they averaged XG wise over last season. Um, a lot of that's being created um, through Danny Parejo's set piece work and just through his like expected goal buildup participation. So when you suck him out of that, you know, it, it completely changes you, know, you take Danny Parejo out of most of our matches last year and the XG, like what we had against Espanol and Atletico, which are both around half a goal, you know, is about what you'd have left. So is there any, are there any plans to incorporate that kind of thing into the model or do you think it's not necessary or? Um, I, it would definitely become more accurate if we did, but like at the moment, given that we've had three matches and Danny Parejo has not been present, what we're running on right now is XG without him. So that's at least somewhat accurate given to that. I mean, we potentially could figure it out by trying to, uh, uh, we could remove if he was per se was playing in those past three matches and was now injured. We could probably subtract his, uh, expected assist rate on that, which is just Mm -hmm. the same as expected goals, but just his passes to the shot. We could probably remove that. I -hmm. don't know how feasible that would be given trying to remove every single player that was missing their uh, expected assists or expected uh, goals per buildup. Cause that would just become a mess trying to remove every single player who was missing and going back through each of the past five matches. So yeah, I don't that, know if that's feasible at the moment, it would certainly make the model much more accurate. So I don't know mm-hmm. on that. That'd be more up to Mitchell than up to me. Cause that's his that, expertise. That's one of the, that's one of the hard things about football, isn't it really? It's really, even with these, um, analytics style, um, you know, as we get deeper and deeper, being able to track things that are hard to track with the naked eye, um, it's still hard to figure out, okay, does player X have these kind of expected goals and expected assists because he's really well doing really well, or because he's got a great support structure back behind him in the team that's, you know, putting him in, a, in better positions than he'd be able to create on his own. Um, it's really hard to figure that out in football in general, and, and which is um, for the folks that that have I know have accused me and have probably accused all soccer stats people of just looking at the numbers. Like no, like one of the limitations to numbers I recognize is it's really really hard to pull a guy out of the context that he's playing in and say, oh well he would be able to plug and play these numbers into, you know, any other system you put them into. It's hard to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the biggest challenges. And I've been uh, reamed for that multiple, multiple times through Twitter and things like that by guys telling me that they, I watch, or I don't watch their favorite teams. I just pull the stats on it. And I mean, I try my best to watch as much as I can, but I mean, the numbers are significantly accurate, but yes, there is a massive, massive element of off-ball movement and build-up stuff that the numbers just don't pick up with the limited data that we have. So you need to find the balance between uh, the data and what they, like I guess, call the eye test, just watching the matches and being able to pick up on trends and things that data can't. So yeah, you've got to well, find a healthy balance in that. And I don't know what your sports background is. Mine, I grew up playing basketball. So like when I watch basketball, not only do I look at the, the the stats of it, but I know enough about technique in basketball and reading the game off the ball in basketball that I can watch a basketball player and say, okay, 
he may only have, you know, four points this game, but he's doing this, 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 and this that, you know, that isn't getting picked up in these metrics over here. And I don't know nearly as much about the technique in soccer. So that's a shortcoming for me personally. Is is that something that you experience as well? I know you, you, you're some kind of, of scout at this point, aren't you? You've got some kind of certification. Yes. Yep, I have my scouting certification. So that was something that I really wanted to get in on because I want to try and walk that balance of the whole eye test and the data analytics. Because I feel like that happy medium is the makes you the best possible analyst that you can be, especially in today's footballing world. If mm-hmm. you can use the analytics to back up your points from the eye test and vice versa, I mean, that can make you the most versatile uh, performance analyst you can be and to create the best takes and... Uh, create the, or uh, provide the most value for others and organizations as possible. Mm-hmm. I, I know one of the things that helped me a lot, I actually got a, uh, I got a Y scout subscription. And yep. um, for the, for those that don't know uh, what Y scout does is it basically um, accumulates video of matches, more matches than you and I could ever pay for subscription services to get to otherwise and breaks it down in the clips. And so like when, um, like when we were getting ready to, uh, sign the idea like I, I never watched him play in the French league. I don't, I, I don't watch that league, and, but I could go on there and I could watch, you know, I could watch a selection of, you know, 50 different times that he received the ball in attacking positions. And some of them turned out good for him and some of them didn't. So it wasn't just a highlight reel and you pick up on, okay, he tends to do this when the ball comes to him. And it's it's stuff like that combined with the data that acts more matches than you and I will ever watch in our lives that I think starts giving you that fuller picture. Absolutely, you're one hundred percent correct. It's, yep. it's interesting to go back to the initial question of the of the Parejo being out or something. So you've got five. You, you're you're looking at a five match window, and um, so as you say, it's like if somebody is out for just one or two of the, of those five. It's not, you know, you're not going to see a whole bit, bit of difference. Somebody, um, I'm thinking like the classic was a, a couple of years ago when, when Iago Aspas was available for Celta. And when he wasn't, there was a huge difference in how the team played. Um, I don't know. I mean, did you have, have, have you and Mitchell or has, has he played around with, you know, using, how did you settle on five matches? Um, that's just what he had on because it's I my guess would be it's the most reliable uh, short term period where you can create an average that's also not uh, too uh, reactive I would say yeah so okay. you're looking for something that creates an average over the like five or so matches that will give you a reliable um, data set mm-hmm. where it's also not like I said reactive to just uh, quick minor errors or uh, Overperformances in matches. Well, and I would think, and and you can tell me if this is some of what you're thinking as well. Um, when you get much more than five matches, then you start talking about stuff that oftentimes happened like two months ago, which we know in football form terms is an absolute eternity. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. you can go from you can go from like riding as from your season's peak in form to just not being able to do anything right in the space of two months. Um, and then, you know, the, I think what's going to be interesting, um, if we can come out of this international break with a somewhat healthy 
Awesome. I think what you might see is a situation where, for your Villarreal predictions, the team that's on the field is very different than about 60% of the data set being, data set being used for their prediction. Mm-hmm. But because you have a set of five matches, that still corrects itself fairly quickly. Yes. Yep. I would absolutely correct. Yeah. I think that it just wouldn't make it too uh, quick on the jump, but after one or two match days, it will adjust given the averages with the new players in the team and the uh, XG would be much higher. And hopefully the XG against would be quite a bit lower if uh, their defense would change as well. It when like, for example, Danny Parejo is back. So yes, it would uh, become a bit, it would change quite a bit as it would move through uh, more of the average, the five game rolling average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking. Um, I, I was thinking that if you you have five is also probably a balance between, as you say, if you go longer, that that really doesn't seem to add much, and if you go shorter, I think you'd find you. I mean, maybe you could do four or something, but I think if you tried to do three or less. You'll you'll be bogged down in so much analytics of who played and who's who's suspended for a yellow card accumulation for one game. You'll you know it'll it'll quickly. You'll probably find you're doing hours of of work for very marginal gain. <laughs> would yeah. be my guess. So, and if we started so, going down to like three games, it would and Villarreal score or put it two xg for two out of the three games, then put up a one and a half for the next match. They're going to have a crazy high. XG value, and that's just not uh, reliable on a on a long term basis because mm-hmm. you need to have more of an average to lower it and make it bring it down to the mean more per se. Right. So it's a bit more reliable because if you keep having these teams uh, hitting high levels of XG, uh, that's not something that, that you can continue to do. Like what we've seen with Marcos Llorente with Atletico Madrid, he massively overperformed his XG for the past season. He will not be able to do that this year. So that's why you need a rolling average for something like that. Cause he's not going to be able to continue to hit at the high rate he did last season. The, the other thing from a team perspective, and I know this is a, a premier league example, but I don't remember who they were playing, but like Manchester United absolutely shredded somebody in their first game of the season. Leeds, um, yeah. Yeah. They, they just completely demolished him. And then like, but, and so like it, that's not representative of who they are on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. Since they yeah. just caught a less talented opponent opponent on the right day. And you don't want that to be too much of the, the algorithm. Now to use another premier league example. And I, and this was going to be my next question for you. Um, I, I mean, I know Arsenal are bad by their standards, but, I mean, facing Chelsea and Manchester City in two of your first three weeks of the season is also just rotten luck from a scheduling perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was wondering if, if there was, like, if you thought that, like, a strength of schedule component um, over the last five matches uh, might make the model more accurate, if, if that's something that you, that would be feasible or worth doing. I didn't know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, I mean, we could probably come up with some sort of coefficient that would uh, factor in the strength of opponent, something where you would uh, add a very slight multiplier to the XG when playing a uh, team of worse value or with a worse defense. You would uh, boost up your XG for that. Could be feasible. But also, like what we've seen with Arsenal, they're obviously missing quite a few people and have played some very tough games. But they also 
don't have the squad at the moment to create too many chances anyway. I, I think their XG would stay relatively the same given the uh, any opponent they're playing at the moment, any pr- uh, Premier League level team. Like, obviously, I believe they did batter uh, West Brom in the FA Cup, but I don't know any team in the Prem that has a weak enough defense where Arsenal would be uh, putting in two or three goals on. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. They're getting ready to play Norwich, and that might actually be the one. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Nor- Nor- Norwich, bless them. They, they play beautiful football, but they don't give a crap about playing defense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, right about yeah, that. yeah. Well, I think I think you also have to realize that, as you were saying earlier, Charlie, is that you know you you, you want to use this model in conjunction with the eye test, and also in conjunction with, you know, if you're if you're looking at it, you there are things you're never going to be able to capture very easily. For example, clubs like Villarreal that are playing in Europe are going to be, um, you know, we've when we've all seen this with Spanish teams who go deep into the Europa League or Champions League, is that, you know, you may get really lucky and hit hit a a Real Madrid on the on the Sunday before they're playing a big Champions League game, and and you're not facing their first team. I mean, you're you're never going to be able to to um, account for all of that, and I think as as somebody looking at the model. You know, there probably there might be something like that where where if you look at the prediction, you're just going to say, you know, I'm going to take that with a little more grain of salt than usual this week because I happen to know that you know Villarreal isn't going to put their first squad out to play whoever. You know, you, you can't. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I guess the the thing for me in like it's it's one of those ones where um, what's fun about it to me. As you know, as a person who messes with soccer analytics on the side of, of having a day job, um, is that it's it's something that I can theorize about in ways that would improve it, while knowing all along that like if we were actually trying to design a prediction model so that we can make money off betting on football matches it'd be five times more complex than what it actually is. I mean, you know, it, it, it would need to be to adjust for those kind of factors. Cause you, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And, and that's just, you know, and that's just not, you know, having been, having been a college student, the best with sports stats, I'd imagine that's not Charlie and Mitch's goal. On this yeah. And I mean, it would be quite easier if we just did a Vera centric uh, prediction model. Cause that'd be much easier to remove which uh, players are uh, not playing for them, uh, who their opponent is missing. But as we're trying to do a full league model, mm-hmm. it's, right. that's just not a time investment that I or Mitchell has at this point to try and yeah, factor all of these things. Right. Well, I wanted to back up to the, the initial um, expected goals, the inputs to the model, um, because, Zach, I know you've mentioned there are several different sources of those, right? Um, so I'm just curious, what, do you guys use a variety of sources or how do you, how do you come up with that data? Uh, we use football reference, fbref.com, which is the most reliable open source data site for the top five leagues. Everything is completely verified. It's all through StatsBomb, who's one of the biggest data systems in mm-hmm. world football. It is incredibly reliable. Also on that note, we use uh, non-penalty expected goals, so we don't factor in penalties, which have an XG value of uh, 0.78, which is very high. So uh, we don't like to keep put those in because it just messes and fluctuates the data quite a bit. 
So yeah, it's the data we've, we're picking up is very reliable. It's uh, the most the most reliable you can have. So yeah, that that is not an issue at this point. To, to back to back Charlie up on that one, um, they, as soon as you asked the question, I, I what I thought in my head is I'm almost sure he's using FB ref because it's it's what I'd use, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like like he said in terms of like free access, it is head and shoulders above anything else is going to give you that scale of data for an entirely most definitely right yep. okay yeah so that'll be a little different i i know there are a couple others that are that are people have cited on our site i'm gonna be careful how i say that um, <laughs> and um so yeah so that's that's a little that's a little bit different and of course so the other the other thing the other big in- one sorry um the other big one that people use is understat for a long time understat was the best one uh before before uh, FBREF, basically. FBREF is the same uh, website company that does basketballreference.com and, and some of these other ones that are really good stat sites for other sports. And for, you know, I told I, I told a couple of buddies of mine for years that if they ever actually start giving a crap about their soccer site, it's going to be awesome. They just <laughs> didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so understat.com was like, we all knew it wasn't the best xg model out there because it was pretty simplistic it was mostly just based on just the location of the shot not the rest of the context uh-huh. um but it's what you had access to on a large scale uh-huh. um and then they then they made their deal with stats bomb um who is also a partner of Real now by the way um they're doing data stuff for Real as a club uh-huh. um and uh and it just it I, I i i don't remember the last time i went to understand now just completely replaced it <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm here. I don't know. I mean, FBRF is by far the best for just just about everything on top five league data. I have a Weisgar account as well, and I only use it for anything outside of the top five leagues because it just doesn't have the reliability that FBRF does. Okay. Which, if if, if FBRF, for, you know, on the like one in a million chance that some of their people listen to our podcast. If they would get the flipping Spanish women's top flight on their website, I would greatly appreciate it. I've only asked for it on Twitter like 45 times. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Well, let, let's take a quick break, and and when we come back, we'll talk more with Charlie about – I guess I'm really interested in knowing how La Liga compares to the other leagues in, in terms of what they're working with. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Charlie, you said that this this model um, started off, uh, done it for the Bundesliga and and other leagues. And my question is, what I mean, you so far, what do you you mentioned? La Liga has lower expected goals. Are there are there particular? Is that a challenge? Is that an advantage? How do you how do you see that in terms of how the model operates? I would say it's a bit of an advantage because when you have more goals in a league, obviously it's more fun to watch from an entertainment perspective. 
but it's harder to predict how teams are going to do. Like I, for example, I love the MLS. It's a ton of fun. I'm invested in the league as I work with San, the San Jose Earthquakes, but the defense there is not as great and the attack is a bit more entertaining. It's a bit more end-to-end. So mm-hmm. they have much higher XG values per team, per game, and things like that. That's why if you check out Mitchell's uh, his model for the MLS, you're going to see games that are 2-1 predictions or 1-1 or 2-2, things like that, because these teams are scoring more and they are conceding more. So for La Liga, where it's a much more defensive league, it's a bit more understandable to get these much lower scoring games because it's a higher probability that these teams aren't going to be scoring as much. I think it makes it a bit more accurate, which we saw last week with the result uh, side. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you think? Do you think that your results from last week, because uh, your results from last week were so good that it made like your whole season to date numbers look good when you put them all in a pile? So, yeah. Do you, Do you think that that is? I guess how many do you expect to get right on a weekly basis on average for the whole season? I guess is the question I'm trying. I would hope it averages out to between four and five. Would be somewhere because. Hmm. Early in the model, I think we got three. The first week, we got three correct with, I think, three score lines being correct. And I believe those were the same game. So we got the game and the score line, which that was just a complete toss-up because we were using XG from the previous season, the team's average XG, which is in no way whatsoever accurate. That model was just to toss it out there and just for me to let people know that I was doing it. I expected absolutely nothing with that. The fact that we got any right was impressive at all. The second week, we are using the... Uh, first week's XG as well as we were factoring in a bit of the previous season XG. So that it was becoming increasingly more uh, reliable and it's still getting there until we will hit uh, week five. So I don't think we'll be hitting sevens or eights or anything like that anytime soon again, but I hope to be hitting between four and six and then have a overall average of around 4.5 for the season. That'd be my hope. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess to me, like it's interesting in a league like La Liga because um, with an XG based model, unless they're playing each other, Atletico, Barcelona, and Madrid are going to be picked to win almost every week, Um, and they they do win about eighty percent of the time. Um, They don't win eighty percent of the time. They win probably what sixty five, seventy percent of their games. Yeah. um, so and so, um, so to me, what it, what gets interesting are weeks like this past week where the models getting a bunch of the other games. Um, and and because like I think the first week you picked, I, I actually think it was on the La Liga model. You got four right the first week, three right the second week, and got it. only five teams actually won the first week. Um, so you got you picked four out of the five winners, and um, the four. Winners you picked were the big three in Sevilla, who we expect to finish top four. And it's like, okay, that's, yeah. that's good. You should be getting that right. Um, the, the, the hard part, the tricky part, is getting the ones right after that. And if you can get that five to six predictions, uh, well, four to five predictions right a week, then you're starting to get some of those other matches right. I think that's where it starts really showing its quality. Yeah, and some of these teams we've been hitting pretty consistently. Uh, La Real, I believe they've had consecutive 1-0 wins. Uh, the model predicted both uh, uh, those matches correctly, and I believe they got the scoreline as well. Um, Osasuna, I believe, they're also pretty easy to predict because they're 
uh, pretty free-flowing attacking-wise. They tend to just score more than their opponents, so they're pretty good. But the other teams, I mean, VRL is usually uh, pretty easy to predict. I mean, they've had a kind of a rocky start to the season, uh, as you guys would completely understand, and obviously they're missing people. That's not a hit on anyone. But they would be another team. I would think that those three would be the big ones that would in generally get uh, wins predicted, or at least... Mm. Uh, a pretty likely result of a win and a draw as the next uh, big result. Yeah, I was about to say here, let me help you out. Just override override the algorithm and predict a draw, and you've got us nailed. <laughs> you know. I feel like as soon as I start doing that, though, they'll start hitting wins again and get back to winning ways. Well, that's what so, we want. Dude, so. that's what have to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, and, so, of course, heart, what, and of course, as no, you go along to... Go ahead, Alan. Well, I was going to say, as, as you go along, too, I mean, typically the way La Liga runs is you, you get a team um, that is newly promoted. I mean, right now it's Mallorca, although I think they actually are going to be pretty good. But you often get one of the teams that comes up, and for the first month or two, they they look really good, um, and then their and then their XG falls back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how them if that. If that happens, it sounds like the model will will adjust for it pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. And then there and then there are clubs that just um, seem to find the bottom and stay there, and those shouldn't be a problem for your model either. Yeah, nope. Uh, I think we'll as soon as we start getting some clear relegation contenders, which I think we are starting to get already with like Alaves, Elche, those teams, they're going to start getting uh, losses predicted just about every week, which is not too accurate, but I mean. The fact that it'll be, they'll have like a 13 or 15 percent chance of winning. That will be accurate, right. I believe. Yeah, um, I, I, I the, feel. The other thing, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Zach. Well, I was just going to say, I think the the other interesting part of this, and I think you're right. As we start getting, uh, the, kind of what Alan was talking about, I thought of being as like the Chris Wilder effect to use a, another Premier League example, like Sheffield United comes up. And these tactics were so strange from everybody else, what everybody else was doing. And for half a season, it worked great. And then everybody had film on them, and they started beating the crap out of Sheffield, and then away they went. Um, and But, you know, the other weird thing to me, though, is I know I, I completely understand why your model doesn't use penalties. I wouldn't have used it either. Um, but it's one of those wild variation things in football where, like, Villarreal – strangely enough, has been one of the league leaders in penalties drawn the last two years. I'm not entirely sure how we've done it, but we have. But Mm -hmm. usually you'll see like a team draw the most penalties in the league one year, and then the next year just can't buy one to save their life. And, you know, and and that, I mean, that's tough. That's tough to figure out because, you know, if you've got a team that just, for whatever reason, their tactics are drawing a lot of penalties this year, that effect, that's going to affect you know, at least half a dozen results or more over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how we'd best do that, but I mean, I think the way that like penalties are mostly drawn is spending time in the penalty area and uh, free flowing, like attacking football and creating chances and things like that, which I think the XG model will uh, reflect a bit. Obviously if a team sits in their own penalty area, uh, playing in a low block for the entire match and then they take it down and, draw a penalty in the 90th minute it will not reflect that but for these bigger sides that like Villarreal last season spent a lot of time I think they were fifth most in the league for touches in the attacking penalty area um 
I think that mod, the model would reflect that just because they were creating other a lot of other chances in the match. So yeah, it's not perfect, of course, but mm -hmm. I think it, for the most part that'll be somewhat reflective. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking about the whole because it, because we always love to talk about the referees in Spain. And I was, but you know that's just I, I don't think that's something you could incorporate into the model very well. Unless, as Zach said, if you had like year after year a team showing up with winning tons of penalties. But as he said, it's kind of unusual that we've been among the league leaders a couple of, couple of years, I think. The other thing I, that I think is worth pointing out to people is that while it's, while it's great to focus on the, the end result of the model, the, the score prediction and how that worked out, I, I found it interesting to look at the at the um, percentages of um, home win, away win, draw, because th those I think are really are really interesting to look at. And in some cases, for example, um, Atleti this last week, for whatever reason, I think most when we did our our swing round for Villarreal predictions, I think all of us were predicting either a draw or a loss. Nobody was predicting a, a Villarreal win. And um, it, you know, we very nearly got one. So, and your model uh -huh. pretty much had the three almost equal, as I recall. Yeah. So. Yep. So maybe maybe we should have paid a little more attention to the models there and a little <laughs> less attention to our <laughs> complaining did selves. You, <laughs> did you add uh, a home field advantage component to it after the season started? Yes, we did. Uh, for the second game week, we did a home field advantage where it adds somewhere around. Uh, it's between 0 0.1 and 0 0.2 XG to the home team and uh, takes away uh, 0.2, I believe, for the away team. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there is a home field advantage factor now in the model that we've been using. So, yeah, the home teams are getting a bit of an advantage, which yeah, we saw how, how in the past you, couple seasons. How did you come to that model? Um, how did you come to that number? I think Mitchell just went and took the difference, uh, found the difference in uh, home XG and away XG per match last season. Mm. And we just aggregated that for all the leagues and that's what we've been using. Interesting. So yeah, yeah, it'll, um, we might change it at some point. I'm not sure that's uh, more his decision than mine, but for right now it's, uh, been somewhat accurate. So, uh, it's definitely been an improvement over what it was. That's uh, according to him. It's been much more accurate with that. Uh, uh, uh more, uh, uh, one way to, uh, that might be a simpler way of throwing the penalties in. And I, I swear, I, I absolutely love the model the way it is. I'm just, I like to fidget with things. And I, I, I've spent, I've spent so much time thinking about this over the last like couple months as I like do these post sport and stuff um, is instead of worrying about teams drawing penalties. Um, I mean, Alan mentioned something about the refereeing and it like sparked in my head. Like there really are, you know, referees have, varying goals per match averages they put out and penalty and, and the number average number of penalties they give out and everything else. And that can vary pretty wildly amongst all the refs in the leagues. So, I mean, if you've got a, you've got a ref that um, traditionally refs, even lower scoring games than average or traditionally gives out way more penalties than average, you could probably factor that into the matchup pretty simply without having to do a whole bunch of extra legwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would think so. The one thing I will say on that note is if we start adding in for referees, which I mean, it's a completely fine idea. I mean, I'd love to see how much it would actually change. Um, 
I think it would add the same amount to both teams unless we factored in how many penalties each team has drawn in the match. So it just kind of increased their XG just a bit more, uh, and it wouldn't change the model that much. If we did go in how often either team draws penalties, that would uh, create a major change, yeah. It might it might actually affect the predicted scoreline oh, more yeah, than most affected. definitely yes yep yeah. it definitely would change that yeah 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 um, which is which is weird because like kind of like Alan said like <laughs> I, I joked with you about the the one zero scorelines in uh, an instant message at one point and then like right after that we got like seven or eight matches in a row that were just all one zero or one one. And then, um, and then you know, it, it it spurts up again, and you end a weekend with like a day where all the goal, all the games have like three or four goals, and it. it's just it, I don't know. It's part of why we love the sport. Yeah, yeah, Most definitely. Yeah, the unpredictability is so incredible in the sport. That's the best part by far. Yeah, I think I think our uh, match against Atleti is a perfect example of that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is yeah. no way that you could have there is no way you could have predicted that we would be ahead two to one, being outshot twenty five to two, and there is no way you could have predicted the uh, the comedy at the end. <laughs> yeah, but it, in the end, it got to where it got to the draw that you're that you were saying was the most most likely. So you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's. I th- and I think that's the thing that's interesting is to see how, I guess as I think about it, it's it's like um, you were saying about basketball, Zach. Well, you know, you've got the you've got the ball going up and down the court. What, how many how many times in a in a game? How many scoring opportunities? The the beauty of of football is always that they're going to be scoring opportunities are going to be fairly small and and a very minor difference in in success translates into a big difference in result. And that's, that's part of what makes it interesting to model, I would think. Yeah. So in, in basketball, you have, you have, you'll have over a hundred on like an NBA level where you've got a shot clock, you'll have over a hundred possessions in the game. And within about, there's only about a 10% variance in the number of shot attempts that each team is going to have. Like that's just how the sport works. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Whereas in football, one team can barely can, can complete, you know, you know, uh, fifth the number of passes and get, you know, a tenth the number of shots as their opponent, and that's just, you know, and and still, you know, mess may just bounce weird and they win the match anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember where I was reading it, but it's kind of been a rule of thumb in my head, um, where they they just kind of said that like. In football, about half a goal each direction is just plain luck that you can't do anything with. And, you know, and, and, and that's, that kind of seems to ring fairly true for me, that there's going to be at least one, you know, one or two balls a game that just, there's no accounting for it. This is just what it did, and here's how it changed the game, and away we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got yeah. the guy who, who, who is not a goal scorer who just happens to hook the ball with his with his off foot from outside the penalty area and it flies into the topmost corner of the net. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that we, we, you know, we see those things, things happen, um, all the time. Yeah. Um, any other questions for Charlie before we wrap up or anything else you want to say, Charlie, about the, about the model and, and, uh, and what you're looking to do with it in the future? I don't think so. I mean, given that we're so early into the season, there's definitely 
much time and room for improvement, definitely, because we'd love to be hitting 7 out of 10s every week. So, yes, all the feedback here will be counted for, and I will check in with Mitchell, and we'll try and improve it. And I just want to thank you guys for giving us a home for the La Liga model. I mean, giving it some more publicity than I ever could. So big thank you to you guys for that because, I mean, it's just so crazy the reception it's gotten. Whereas if I had posted, I mean, it might have gotten a few people with betting addictions commenting on it, how it's wrong, or either telling me that they plan on using it, which I have had a couple people tell me do, which is a horrible idea. That scares the (laughs) crap out of me that people are putting – money on my model that's just terrifying so but yes i just want to thank you guys for giving this model some place to give it some publicity and uh just increase its reach it's been awesome so far so thank you guys yeah i was really amazed on on twitter zach and i'm sure you saw this too but we have like people and you know people in Virial, you know sending tweets to each other in Valencia and saying about how they were, they were so excited to see this. And I, and I don't think it's that they're planning, you know, I hope it's not that they're planning to use it to bet because that's not the point. It's, it's just trying to get a greater understanding of this, you know, of the, of what goes on in a match and how you can, I think it's just fascinating to, to try to reduce a very complicated sport to something that is modelable and see how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I, would, I, I would never I, bet I on anything because I'd be too all, terrified. I'd absolutely blast with it. So I really appreciate y'all doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, now, the, the one last thing I want to do before we go, though, is, um, Charlie, I know that you write for some other sites. I know you do some other podcasts. And I know Mitch has his uh, analytics page on Twitter as well. So can you just let us know oh, all the places we can go to find your, your content, Mitch's content, uh, in addition to our site. Okay, yeah. Um, number one is going to be the uh, Collegiate Soccer Society website. You can just Google that. And, uh, not, there hasn't been much posted on there in a little while, but uh, there are match reviews, uh, like five key takeaways from matches. Mitchell and I both have done that in the past. I'm on Managing Madrid as well. I'm on your site as well for SB Nation. So um, that's some good places. Uh, the Esuna Final podcast also was started by uh, me and Mahedi Hassan, who is also on Twitter. And I believe that is about it for uh, where you can find me. Uh, but yes, I hope that this is the, not the last time I'm on your guys' podcast. I know this will not be the last time that I will, will be writing for you guys at some point, because I just love doing stuff like that, analyzing teams that I don't have as much experience looking at. So this will not be the last of me if you are listening to this podcast. Right, uh, you can I, expect much more of me. Right. I was going to say we we definitely will want to have you back on here. You know, as we go through the season and have more um, more results to to look at and uh, and more, especially as we go through the next couple of months where we've got international breaks and Champions League games and everything else thrown in with La Liga. I think it'll be interesting to see how how the model does over the course of the next few months. And hopefully as we get more and more fans back in the stands too. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Charlie. It's, it's great talking to you. You're always great to catch up with somebody in, in Ann Arbor, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach, thank you for, thank you for, for joining us. And this is Alan for Virial USA saying, end event Virial.